We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. We're going to start teaching, and it may last for a few weeks, a couple weeks. We'll see how it goes. But it's going to be called uh, Give Attention To. And so there is much in the Bible about uh, our attention and what our attention is. And, and our attention is not just physical, but it is really our focus in life. And uh, it's a huge, huge thing. And here's what we need to know about this. We're going to talk about giving our attention to him working in us today. And that's a big thing for a believer. This isn't, you know, self-help you know, in the sense like the world says there's something in you. No, we're talking about uh, believers who have divine life in them, people who have given their life to the Lord and God lives in them. Are you with me? When people get Jesus, Jesus does a tremendous work by his spirit in every believer outside of what we see outside of what we feel. And so, but in this world, uh, if you're a news person, hopefully no news junkies, after the service, we're going to have deliverance. You know, because some people are going to need to get delivered of being a news junkie. You know, that word junk is right in there. And, you know, and so uh, just a total side thought as we get started. If, uh, you know, if you watch the news a lot, and this is, you know, something you do every night, uh, every night you watch the news, uh, and I'm not saying you can't watch the news, but how much of God are you putting in you compared to the news? You know, or anything for that matter, because the news or different things are not going to teach you to how to do some of the things we're going to talk about this morning, they're going to train you a different way. And they're going to get you focusing on problems, focusing at everything that's happening in the world, and uh, whoa, the world's getting bad, and everybody's going to be looking at these things. I mean, how many people are more conscious of germs today than ever? You know, everywhere you go. And, and I'm not trying to downplay that there's germs, there are, but when our focus is on certain things, it can affect us positive or negative, whether we like it or not. And so if all we're doing, uh, you know, or all the world is doing is feeding on natural things, their fear is just going to grow. Are you with me? And, and we could see it during this pandemic where you have people who freak out if somebody else doesn't have a mask on. That went over real well. And, and I'm not trying to belittle or be mean anybody, but why did these people get so worked up like this? Because they were fed. And they've got their attention on the problem, on the problem, on the problem, on the problem. You know, here's an interesting thought. It's not in my notes, but it will fit. Uh, you know, our society teaches totally different than the Bible teaches. And we're, quote, unquote, a Christian nation. Are you with me? How many remember uh, several years back they had the, it was at the ALS or something like that challenge? Remember the ice challenge? How many remember that? And then you and, and everybody, not everybody, but, you know, are pushing people here, get this water dumped over your head, you know, this ice water. And just people were video after video after video after video about that. Remember that? Anybody remember that? 
And, and you are almost shamed if you didn't do it. And are you doing it? And you, you know, are you doing it? How many, and I'm not asking who did it or who didn't do it. But, I mean, you think about it. How many people were just focusing on this sickness and this sickness by every time somebody dumps, we're doing it for this. And, and I'm not a friend of sickness. I don't like sickness. But when a problem came in the Old Testament and people were being bitten by serpents that were killing people, you know what the Lord said? He didn't say, do an ice bucket challenge and get everybody thinking about the ice bucket. He said, put a brazen serpent on a pole, which is a picture of Jesus, and get your eyes fixed on that. And when you get your eyes fixed on that, then healing will come to you. But healing won't come to you and help won't come to you if all you're going to do is just keep focusing on it. Are you with me? Because, but the world will teach us to do this. So how, how much news is out there telling us about the coronavirus, the coronavirus, the coronavirus? And we don't even know much about it other than it's not good. And, but it's focus on it, focus on it, focus on it. I'm not saying ignore things, but I am saying how much time are we giving when it's God's design to look at the answer Instead of the problem, and if all I'm doing, and you could, and here's something that's true, you can watch one news clip and think about it all day long. Or you could read a scripture and start thinking about it all day long. And, and so uh, that was free, but it's true. And it goes in line with what we're going to talk about, give attention to, and today we're going to talk about Him working in us. There's a scripture in the New Testament that's real interesting. I'm not going to turn there. It says, uh, when we uh, are consumed and we give our attention to certain things, he said, uh, this one writer said, by God, if you give your attention to this certain way of living and this kind of life, he said your progress will become known and recognizable to everybody. Give attention to the right thing, the Bible said, progress will begin to appear. That's a huge statement. If I want to know how to progress and go further in the things of God. He just said it right there. If you want to go further, what are you giving your attention to? There. I mean that. Think about it. If progress happens by what I give attention to, that says a ton. That can tell us totally why the world is going one way, and thank God the church can and should, and I believe we are going a total different way. Well, that's good. We don't have to freak out that the world's going a different way. But what would hurt us is if we stared at the way they were going and made that our way of thinking. Are you with me? So, to me, that's huge. It says a ton. If he said, if progress happens by focus, my oh my. Or you could say it this way, wherever you focus, you develop and go that way. Huge. 
huge, huge. That, that's massive. That's, that's the secret part of life. That's the part nobody else knows. You know, outward, but eventually it shows your direction. Shows what you're going to be doing, how you're going to be living, what's going to be happening in your life in the future is determined by your focus right now and your continued focus. If he said, give yourself or be engulfed in these things, then your progress will begin to show. In other words, it will start showing up on the outside. Then to me, that tells me where uh, we are going in life and where we want to go, we got, we've got to give attention to that. Turn to Ephesians, the second chapter. We're going to look at a couple of different verses because today, even though we're talking about give attention to, we're going to talk about uh, give attention to God working in you. And I'm talking to Christians because God doesn't live in the lost world. And so they have a whole different design and, and, but because people are religious, you know, they'll adopt things from the truth and they'll tell you if you want, you need to be positive and I'm for being positive, but they're not looking at these things like we are from a Bible standpoint. Are you with me? And so Ephesians two verse 10 says, for we, meaning Christians, people who've given their life to the Lord, we are his workmanship. Now, is it just something he's working on? Or is it something he's done? And notice this. He said, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every believer is created new in their spirit, way down inside. There, this is why we can't look to the world for, you know, thinking they're going to help us by watching the news or watching TV programs that, you know, tell you different things about life. I mean, you know, and how relationships should be. Maybe there's truth in it. Maybe there's not. We need to look to the word, but also we need to look to God and know that he'll deal with us, and we are created different. Every believer is created different. A part of you was made new the day you got saved. Everybody who's walked with God any length of time knows it's not their mind that was made new. That's why we're told to give our attention to certain things, because your mind was not made new. And your body is the same body you had. It will age until the Lord comes back or you go to be with him. Are you with me? And so he said, but you were created new in Christ. When you gave your life to the Lord, something dynamic happened. A huge miracle of divine life. A total change on the inside of you happened. Not in your mind. That's why people can have all different kinds of thought. But in your spirit, when you said, Jesus be my Lord, or however you prayed and received him, whatever the words were, there was a huge change that happened in you spiritually. And that really does drive believers. 
That's why people one day can be normal, and the next day after they give, when I say normal, a certain way, and dramatically different days upon days after because they gave their life to the Lord. Why? Eternal life, a recreation in them beyond their mind. Haven't we all been conflicted at some point from our mind and what was trying to drive us from the inside? Haven't we? Everybody's saying, let's go this way and pressure to do this. But something new in you wants to serve God. Something new in you drives you to want to spend time with Him and to do His plan and let other people know about Him. You ready? Galatians 2. We're going to start looking at some people in the Bible who God worked in them, and we can be assured He works in all of us. But what we need to do is give our attention to these truths from the Bible and recognize just like He worked in them, He works in us. Or you could say it like this, He works in you. And here's how God works in you, effectively. Effectively. His work in you is real. It is something that's beyond your mind. As a matter of fact, your reasoning can say, well, wait a minute. You with me? It's beyond your reasoning. Because how many of us, just like Jesus, have had things in our reasoning telling us one thing, but there was something beyond our reason that was driving us? Notice this in Galatians 2, verse 8. These are two different people who had given their lives to the Lord, and there is an interesting phrase about both of these people's life. Verse 8, 2, 8. For he who worked effectively in, 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 not just upon, not from without, but who worked in, Peter. Well, we all know Peter, the guy who walked on the water, you know, one of the disciples of Jesus. But when he got saved or gave his life to the Lord, you know, and, and the Lord came to live in him after Jesus died and rose again, the observation of Paul was the reason why, and the writer here, Paul, who was used by God, the reason why he did what he did and he was the way he was, was not just because he became religious. Not because he chose, you know, I think I'm going to do this today of his own accord. He said, notice this, for he who worked effectively, not ineffective, effectively. God's work in every believer is an effective work. That work, if you're saved, is happening in you. It could be being stirred right now, beyond your mind, beyond your feelings. For he who worked effectively in Peter, for the apostleship to the circumcision, in other words, he said God worked inside of Peter to go reach the Jews, you would say it like that, or to do this work. But he said it wasn't just because Peter had a vision one day. It wasn't just because God spoke to him audibly one day. 
he said there was something working in him that drove him, and he worked in him effectively. This was a life thing that happened. We are so different than the lost. And those lost need to be saved. But this is a truth. For he who worked effectively in Peter, for the apostleship to the circumcised or to reach the Jews, also worked effectively in me. Notice that phrase. Not, now we know Paul had a vision. We know Paul saw the Lord. But beyond Paul seeing the Lord, he didn't say, that's how I reached him just because I had one vision one day. He said, the reason I did what I did and the reason Peter is doing what he's doing is because God was effectively working in him. Now, understand this. When we talk about God working in us, you can't be thinking like the world. Because if we think God's working in me, how is he working in me? They'll teach you, how do you feel? They'll teach you from the outside. Or have a positive attitude. No, we're talking about God putting giftings in people. Or, and driving people from the inside. Every Christian, really, if we become conscious of him who's in us, we'll want to reach the lost. Because it's God working in us. And he wants to reach the lost. Every Christian who would pay attention beyond their reasoning and beyond their feelings would go, I want to build the kingdom. I want to be committed. There would be no arguments. Should we attend church? Should we not attend church? None of that. Wouldn't even be an argument. If we recognize God working in us, we'd not only want to attend church, we'd want to build the church. We'd want to serve in the church. We'd want to love one another. Because why? Just like he said, he who worked in Peter worked in me toward the Gentiles. And what was this work about? It was God working in them. There was an inward compulsion, a drive. We all know what it is. If we get sensitive to God, we all recognize it. We start worshiping the Lord here. We start hearing the word. And all of a sudden, people just start knowing, I got to do this. And, and it's beyond your mind because sometimes it goes beyond your mind. Unless you get your thinking in line with the word, then it'll just, they'll both line up. Anybody been there? Done? I know I've got to do this. I know I've got to reach them. I know I've got to serve in this area. I know I need to do this work. I know this. And it's beyond. It's because God works in us. But we've got to get our attention beyond our feelings and beyond our reasoning and just get focused on the fact God works in us. And he works in us effectively. Are you with me? We all know this. Because the Bible said there's not one person who's saved that God doesn't deal with. But, but we need to recognize he works way down inside of us. And what's so interesting, the Bible said, when, once people get saved, he said, nobody will be able to say to his brother like they did in the Old Testament or other places, you know, do you know the Lord? He said, because everybody who gives their life to the Lord will know him from the least to the greatest. 
something will change in them. So we need to give attention to the fact that we're brand new inside, and just like them, he who worked effectively in Peter, in him, not just on him. Lord, if I could just sense the wind blowing on my back, pushing me this way, that'd be great if it happened. But if somebody leaves the fan on and it's blown the other way, then I'll go, well, is this you, Lord? Because it's not from without. But God works in believers. God works in believers. This is why believers can have such zeal and passion for the things of God. Because this working within will drive your emotions. When we notice it, it will drive us. It will influence us. Why is this person like this? Why are they all excited about the Lord? Turn to Philippians, the second chapter. If we would focus inside, there are, there are answers to problems. There is zeal to walk in. And when I say focus inside, I'm not saying take this message to the world. No, because the world needs the message of Jesus. They need new life. This is a message strictly for believers. People who have received the Lord, God's working in them. If they would just, you know, not be so conscious of the world and everything going on in the world, they would recognize God's in them. Why are some people so on fire, it seems, when they give their life to the Lord? They start realizing, man, God, I gave my life to the Lord. God is working in me. That work never stops. Our attention may change, and our focus on it may change, but if we would just refocus, we would recognize there's something there that wants to drive me. It would make me a nut, so to speak, for the Lord. Screwed on the right bolt, of course. Philippians, the second chapter, notice this. Now, Paul is writing to them, talking about how, you know, when you're around these people, you know, when I'm around you, you're obeying you know, the truth. You know, isn't that true? Sometimes kids, uh, you know, or employees do good, and then the boss isn't there. This isn't how it should be. But then they work good when the boss is there, but not. That's not how it should be, but we see that in the fallen world. But he basically is explaining, now listen, when I've been around you, you've been obeying, you've been doing, you've been responding correctly at church. But Paul, who was used by God to write this, isn't there now. And he makes this tremendous statement in his absence. When nobody else is around, when you're on your own, when it's Tuesday and you're at work, or Wednesday at work, or, you know, at the baseball field on Thursday with your kid for a little league game, this is still true. For it is God this was written to the whole church. Now he said, I see why Peter was the way he is because God worked in him. I see why I'm the way I am because God worked in me. Now he's writing to these people and he's basically going to use the same terminology or the same verbiage about God working in. Notice this. 
For it is God who works in you. God works in you. God works in me. Not in your feelings, not in your mind, way down inside. God works in you. If we could peel things back, there's a, there's a zeal in you. There's something in you. And God is working from there. And if we would give our attention to that, it would be magnified. It would be brought to the forefront. The cure for the children of Israel was, don't focus on the problem, focus on the answer. Don't look at the scorpions that are biting you, and how hard could that have been? I mean, I hike, and one thing about the Arizona desert, there are lots of snakes. And if you ever travel on a trail that has a lot of snakes you'll find this, that it could be a mile up the thing, a half mile up the trail, and people are walking down. There's a snake up there. Like it's just going to be waiting for me. These things move. And I wouldn't go that way. There's a snake. It's right up there. And I've had this before where people are like, don't go. And I just keep walking. And they're like, don't go. They're so focused on that. Are you with me? They're thinking, we can't do anything. That's just stopped our hike. You don't go there. I've said to people before, come with me. I'll move it. Or, or you could walk around it. I mean, it's not like these snakes are 40 feet long, you know, that can strike from 20 feet away, therefore. You know, it's half their body or less. And even if it was their whole body, I mean, even if it was six foot, that's from here to there. You can't walk around that. But their focus is so on this. And they'll think about it until they leave. And they're telling everybody, get your attention. Well, I hike with my head down and look and pay attention to things. But at the same time, what are we paying attention to when it comes to the Lord? He's working in you. He has answers for everything. You have ability. If you're saved in you, direction, there is something that would drive you to look like an on-fire Christian, because you are technically. For it is God who works in you, both to will, so He's influencing your will. He's influencing you to be a zealous Christian. The only reason people don't identify with it as Christians is they're identifying too much with the natural and not the spiritual. If we would identify and get our attention there, we would recognize this is who I really am. This is who you really are. And God is working in you both to will, to will, that's want. If we would pay attention to Him working in us, there's a want. The only reason people don't 
recognize the want is they maybe have given their want to to something else. Didn't the Bible say temptation comes to, you know, and it's a want for something else? And if you recognize how temptation works, it really works by people giving their attention to something and it develops a want. It's an emotional one. It's not a spiritual one. But if we would, we can couple or join our emotions together with this spiritual drive. Are you with me? And God will influence us from the inside out. For it's God who works in you both to will. So you could start focusing on God working in you. And you know what would happen? Your progress would just keep growing. And what would it look like? A wanting and a willing to do for his good pleasure. And I, I don't know about you, but in reading the book of Genesis, you see how God is. There are many things right away that you recognize in there. That going God's way in the book of Genesis and doing things God's way brought reward, brought blessing. He designed it for good and all kinds of things he put in order. He just said, don't, get, don't go do this thing. And it's interesting, it took them focusing on one single tree. One single tree. There was another tree right there that was tremendous. And, but there was all kinds of other trees. But they started giving their attention to one tree. But one thing you recognize in God's order is this. That when you do whatever He designs and orders, it is good. It is good. It is fulfilling. It is satisfying. But they got their attention on this other thing. And then the enemy started throwing these words, but there was other words that were there like, don't do it. Are you with me? So God works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Know this, as we go down this path, that's where the best is. If you were wondering, that's where it is. The best is right there. This is a force. A God influence on the will. To do, to accomplish kingdom business, to accomplish good things with your life so your whole life is fruitful until he returns. And I mean fruitful in every aspect. In your natural life, in your family life, work, kingdom business, everything. And it's interesting, if we would just give our attention to these things, in time, he said, your progress in these things would begin to be known. Others would observe it. You wouldn't have to tell them. Now, you should tell them, but you don't have to tell them, hey, I got a zeal for the Lord. They'll be at work on, they got a zeal for the Lord. There's something about them. Why do they act like that? What drives them? Their focus. New life. God working in them, them giving attention to it. Hallelujah. 
John, the second chapter. John 2. If we have a zeal in us and God's working in us, let's look at Jesus. He had zeal. He had things that worked in him. He is a prototype of, for man. Now, he was the savior of mankind, which we can't duplicate. There's only one savior. But concerning lifestyle, he was a prototype. He, he, we can look at him and recognize things about life and lifestyle and how it works best with him. And so here in John, the second chapter, and we've already seen that if we give attention, God's already working in us. Now, not in an audible voice, but there's life in you. There's dealings in you as a believer. You respond and work with that and, it, and give attention to it. Your progress. I mean, you might think you're far now. And you might think it's good now. Just keep doing it. You'll say it gets better. It gets better. John 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen, sheep, doves, and money changers doing business. But when he had made a whip, think about it. Jesus shows up to church. Church is not what he thinks it should be. Not by his own design, because people have their own ideas what church should be. We should get our ideas from the Bible, not, not from humans. Like, well, I want this, or I want that, or I don't like this, and I don't like that. There's different things about churches, but our underlying truth about church should be, what does the Word of God say? And that's how we should have order. But notice this, he realized the church or that temple was not to be a place where you just, you know, have sold ox and sheep and money changers, you know, so you could get these things and do sacrifice. They were supposed to bring their own. But you look, they just started turning into something it wasn't supposed to be. So Jesus had a zeal, had an inward working. And he made a whip. He got to work. You want the church to be something? Let that zeal drive you to work. You want to see people saved? Let that zeal drive you to reach. You want to succeed? Let that zeal drive you to obey. He's working in us. Notice this. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out, all out. Meaning the ox, every, I mean, he's in there with a whip. What a sermon. It was, what do they call those? You know, an illustrated sermon. This was like, whoa, illustrated sermon. I'm going to be doing this next week to this section. People will be, you know, it'll be standing room only. No, think about it. 
this was like illustrated. It, he didn't just say, this is not the way it should be. Boy, I hurt, hope somebody does something about that. That he got up and started working. Are you with me? And he got this whip made and he starts driving these people out. Verse 16, he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. What's he doing? God, he had such a zeal for God's ways. He didn't want to bring harm to the church. He didn't want to bring harm to this place. He wanted to bring help to this place. He wasn't out there gossiping about him. He said, I'm just going to get busy, and I'm going to have a part in this, and I'm going to make some change in this. So when anybody comes here, it's not just going to be natural. The people that come and that I bring or that are brought there are going to be able to have an encounter with God. At this point, they're not having an encounter with God. And he said to those, take these things away do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. They made it something God didn't want it. But Jesus had such a zeal, he said, I'm going to help bring this into order. I'm going to be part of bringing this to the order God has it or would like it. And I'm going to do something about it. And he did. And so when he had done all this, the disciples remembered a scripture, I believe it's Psalm 69.9. His disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. God works in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. You could say it like this, that working in us should eat us up. And it can. We should give our attention to it. If we give that attention to, you know what it is to eat something up. It means it's just devouring your insides. It's spreading. You know, we have what's called subterranean termites here, which are different than the kinds we had in California that get on your house and into it. These come from under the ground, and they make these little dirt, they call them straws, that go up the side of the house. They look like a little, pretty little dirty thing, dirt thing, you know, those things get up there, and they are voracious, ferocious, whatever. They have a hunger, and they just start eating and devouring from the inside out, the wood. And you got to get a hold of those things and get rid of them. But here he said, this zeal consumed him. The zeal of the Lord. There was something in him. Not God just working from the outside, but God working in him. And he had such a zeal, it was eating him up. You know, worry can eat people up. You know how it works? You get your attention on the wrong thing. And it starts eating you. But this kind of zeal, man, when it starts working, it will drive you from the inside. And it's in us. It's in every believer. Don't just look at others and go, man, they're so on fire for the Lord. Look at how they are. That's in you. That's in you. But if you give your attention to them and go, well, it's just working in them, sit over in that section next week. No. But what you're doing is looking at the outward result. And remember, he said the reason they have an outward result is because they have given their attention to it, and then them giving their attention to it made it appear to others. 
So instead of just going, I like what they've got, which is fine, go, what they've got is the result of attention given to what God's doing inside. Somebody said, I don't notice much. It doesn't have to be a voice, but there is eternal life working and God working in you if you're saved. Are you with me? It's beyond your feelings. And you can get your attention on it like Jesus did till it consumes you. And I'll tell you what, if something consumes you, it means it's growing. It so grew in him that he was driven to do something. And all the disciples noticed it. And they said, wow, we know that verse. Let's close over here in Hebrews, the, the sixth chapter. Hebrews 6. The zeal of the Lord. What I give my attention to. Now you can give your attention to something that's wrong and it won't produce this kind of fruit. But when you give your attention to the right things, man, your progress will start becoming evident. And it won't be you working it up. It will be you focusing on God and God working. And you won't be able to take great oomph in the fact that you have zeal. Like, I've got this zeal. Look at me. I'm so uh for the Lord. The reason you are is you've given attention to His work. His work will make you this. And He's working. Notice this. Hebrews 6. He, he was, and, and maybe I'll read a couple verses. Verse, let's read in verse 8. No, verse 7. For the earth which drinks in rain, and he's giving this illustration of things being produced in life. He said, for the earth which drinks in rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated. So what's he saying? There's rain that comes over the earth all the time. Somewhere there's rain. And, and he said, the rain, the earth drinks of this influence. And he's going to tell us this influence comes from God. And he said, notice this. He said it bears herbs useful for those by whom it's cultivated. It doesn't produce for people who don't cultivate it. But people who cultivate it, it starts bearing fruit. Right? Anybody can do it. Anybody can, you know, be a farmer if they'd like to. Just start storing up the water that comes and then start dumping it on your garden or your farm or whatever and start gathering the rain that comes. And if you'll cultivate it, you'll start bearing fruit. And he's giving this great illustration and he said, they receive blessing from God. Notice the blessing was connected to a part the person did. The blessing didn't, it just didn't produce watermelons. He had to cultivate it. And part of cultivation comes by, by us uh, where we give our attention and our real focus in life. As a matter of fact, we'll probably talk about that next week, uh, about how the heart works and how if our attention is on the right thing, it will start producing 
phenomenal things out of God's word. But notice this. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected, meaning the earth, just from rain, being cursed, whose end is to be burned. In other words, he just burned those useless weeds. But notice what he said after. But beloved, talking about believers, we are confident. King James, I believe, said we are persuaded of better things concerning you. Well, what's he talking about? Things coming forth that will produce something in this life. Not just the working inside, but that working inside that, that starts producing things on the outside. You know, in the kingdom, in our lives, everything. But notice this. He said, but beloved, we are confident, we're persuaded of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Let me read that again. Things that accompany salvation. You know, have you ever had a friend who called you and said, I'm going to the store to get this. Would you like to go? And if you say no, you didn't accompany them. This is deep. But if you say, yes, I will go, then you accompanied them. You went with them. Right? You went with them. He said, I'm persuaded about you believers. And he's noticed what he said. He said, beloved, we are confident. We are persuaded of better things concerning you. And he's talking about bringing forth fruit. Notice this. Yes, Things that accompany salvation. In other words, there are things that are of salvation. He said, I'm persuaded are coming forth out of you. They accompany salvation. Every, that's why I said this message is not for the world. This is what you give the people after they're saved because there's something that accompanies or goes with salvation. There's a God working in every believer. Now, I don't mean a God, but a way of God working in every believer. And if we'd give our attention to, do th to that, we would, we would recognize that zeal is consuming us. And is taking charge and driving us and eating us from the inside out to do all kinds of things for Him and His kingdom and it will drive your own person, personal habits. Are you with me? But it really comes down to, do I give my attention to these truths? Well, how are we going to find how he works in us? Well, we're going to look at the book, but at the same time, we're going to be realizing he will drive us to the book. Are you with me? That verse is tremendous. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Salvation isn't something you get that leaves you the way you once were. Salvation is something you receive and there's stuff that accompanies with it or goes with it. Goes with it. And obviously we're looking at this fact that God works in us. Amen?
And he really does. If we've given our life to the Lord, he works in us. If somebody said, he doesn't work in me, the only reason is, is either you're not saved or your attention is more on natural things. But I promise you this, if you just get quiet, start reading your Bible, spend time where you become conscious of God through prayer, you'll start noticing He's working. He'll start dealing. Then you just get your attention there. It's not about works. It's just realizing that if my attention is on one thing, it will get stirred up. But God's working in us for great things, to reach people, to serve in the kingdom, to give to the kingdom, to be successful in this life. He wants you to be the head and not the tail at work or in business life. He wants to give you wisdom. He's working in you. That's why if we're only looking at the outside, we'll miss it. Because there's formulas he'll give you from the inside. You with me? He'll deal with you about things separate than he deals with other people. What for? Fruit, everywhere, good stuff happening in you, blessing. That doesn't stop the fact that we live in this fallen world and that stuff will be there. 